The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I wanted to just say a couple of words about um, intention and its relationship to view. Um, Intention arises connected to view, connected to belief. Um, And this is in in some ways why wise view is the first factor of the Eightfold Path and wise intention the second, that um, we orient our mind towards the understandings that the Buddha offered around suffering, how it's created, that it's possible to be free of suffering and the way to that. Um, and that that tends to head us in the direction because our our view is around or our view is is connected to the um, the understanding that what's ha- that, that what's happening in our mind is directly responsible for how much we're suffering that uh, that inspires us to have uh, a, a relationship to how we engage in the world and so that's the bridge between. Um, our thoughts, our ideas, and our actions is this understanding of intention. And intention is pretty powerful. I think some of you have been seeing that this week, that we can actually connect to, um, you know, noticing that we're not particularly connected to an intention or that we're connecting to a, a less than helpful intention. We can consciously bring that into our mind. Maybe I can shift the intention. Um, what brought this into my mind was during my meditation I was noticing quite a bit of spinning in the mind and I was hanging out with it I was I was just noticing it and it was it was continuing and I I, I explored the question um, and I mentioned this last night I explored the question what's being believed here um, you know it was just it just felt like it, it didn't wasn't particularly bothering me but it was just Wow, this is a this is quite a bit of spinning in the mind. Quite a, the mind was just you know scanning the the world in some way, and it wasn't obvious to me what the scanning was about. Um, you know, there's an intent, there's an intention associated with that scanning to figure something out or something like that. But um, I didn't really quite understand what was going on and so I just checked in with the question what's being believed right now and um, the belief was related to I have to remember to do something which was you know related to the yoga (laughs) you know to remember to get all of this done and it was a small thing that needed to be remembered and I had already written a note (laughs) to remind myself and so as I saw that, the, the belief was motivating the, the, the intention of the mind to spin. And I recognized that um, the belief was actually um, kind of not really necessary because I had this note and you know, there wasn't much to do in the intervening 20 minutes. Um, and so recognizing the belief and, and um, uh, realizing the connection of the belief to the spinning mind, very quickly after I noticed the belief, the spinning mind uh, began to uh, quiet. Within a couple minutes, it was pretty quiet. So there, just also to um, 
be curious about not only what the intention is, but sometimes checking the underlying belief. Um, what's being believed? And last night we did this um, uh, reflective practice. And there's, as I said, a number of ways that, that you can in explore particular content um, you know, settling yourself in a meditation and dropping in a question or dropping in a, a a scenario from your life and see what bubbles up. Not to think about it, but just to, to be in a space of mindfulness orienting to a particular theme. Um, it, it kind of creates an interface between our capacity to be present for experience and to connect with particular content. And this is a really skillful exp- thing to explore, especially in daily life, because much of our daily life is, is around content. And so the more we can uh, connect our capacity to be present with content, the more um, skill we gain in, in being present. Often in our sitting practice, we're trying to let go of content. Uh, so we're not gaining as much of the skill in that interface between content and being present. And so the the use of questions like this in our meditation, in our daily life, um, the, like for myself in the meditation, I was in the midst of a meditation and I, I recognizing what was going on, I consciously chose to use a question. What's being believed? Now I didn't think about it. I didn't try to figure out what was being believed. Kind of like I described last night, uh, with a, a still pool, if you drop a pebble in, there will be ripples. So in the meditation, there was some stability of mindfulness, even if the mind was spinning, there was some stability of mindfulness and dropping the question, what's being believed into the mind, things began to bubble up and the you know, kind of like flash of of what needed to be done in the future came up and it's like oh that's what it's about so it's it's not about trying to figure it out but more al- providing the opportunity for um, uh, the mind to offer some information or perspective on a theme Saito Utejaniya um, says that the use of questions like this uh, encourages interest and basically um, he, what he says is that when you drop a question in like that, then you don't have to try to figure it out. The mind, kind of the processes of mind will be interested in figuring it out. And uh, we don't have to do it. We don't have to try to figure out the answers ourselves, but just instead see what kind of bubbles up. So um, so I just wanted to, to explore with you a little bit this, uh, or just mention a little bit this use of questions in our practice and meditation. There's this, there's an art to it. Um, yeah, there's an art to it in terms of uh, not moving into thought, not having it trigger thinking. Uh, and some people have a very strong connection with bringing thoughts into their mind and uh, jumping on that and trying to figure out the answer with analysis. And so if you notice that happens, just you know, just step back from that tool for a while. Um, tools can be useful sometimes, not at other times. So it's just a tool. Let's see, there was one other piece that popped into my mind. I appreciate your 
let's see. So sample questions for um, exploring uh, our experience. Um, well, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you two, two frames because there's one side of it is questions that increases uh, interest and investigation and another side is bringing wisdom reflections in. So just kind of orienting the mind in the direction of, of wisdom. Um, both are useful as a kind of a way of orienting the mind towards Dharma content. Um, so questions, kinds of questions I've used and that um, I'm the, 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 a big one that I use is what's being believed. Um, if, if um, uh, you know, what, what else is happening right now? Because often we are kind of zoomed in on something and, you know, kind of a step back. It's like, well, what else is happening right now? That's, that's a pretty useful general question because... Um, it's not looking for anything in particular. It's just opening the mind that, you know, there's, there's thousands of things going on in the present moment. What is not being seen? You know, so what else is going on right now? Um, sometimes if there's something really challenging happening, it can be useful to use the questions to direct attention a little bit, such as, okay, how's the body with this? Um, so that's a kind, it's a kind of a, uh, it, it, instead of directing the attention consciously, let me look at the body. It's it's allowing. It's it's almost saying, you know, okay, okay, mind, are you willing to show me what's happening in the body? So it's a kind of a directed receptiveness to use it as a question instead of aiming the attention at the body. So how's the body with this? Um, um, what what uh, what moods and emotions, or what 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 mind states are happening right now. So just some of the basic, again, it's a way of investigating the field of experience without directing the attention, but just seeing, you know. And it might be even a question like, okay, are you willing to show me what's going on in the mind right now? And maybe not, you know. Maybe maybe not. Maybe the the mind is, is uh, more interested in the body. Um, if there's a particularly sticky um, uh, emotion, a good question can be, what purpose is this serving? Um, that, that's another, um, another uh, way into underlying beliefs. And what purpose is this serving? Uh, Sayadaw Tejaniya likes to suggest the question, is this necessary? <laughs> Is this necessary? Um, <laughs> well, he does say that if you've gone through a number of other questions, like or especially around difficult emotions, like anger, for instance, if you, how's the body with this? You know, how's the mind with this? What kind of thoughts are happening? Uh, what's the what purpose is this serving? Is this necessary? He says the answer will always be no, uh, but. Um, you know, be, be, d- d- don't bludgeon yourself with that. You know, if your mind is saying, yeah, this is necessary, it's like, okay, that's a belief. Notice that as a belief. This is, it, what's being believed right now is this is necessary. So if your mind responds with, quote, the wrong answer, you know, don't, 
don't give yourself a hard time about it. It's like, no, that's what's happening in that moment. It's like, that's what's being believed is necessary. So, okay, feeling like this is necessary is what's happening right now. There's a big difference between just acting out of feeling like something's necessary and knowing, being aware that you think it's necessary. There's a huge difference between those two. Um, and you were recorded in that. Uh, is that okay? Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, other questions. What, well, the other thing I'll say about questions is that the questions are most effective when they become your own questions, when you uh, find a question that interests you or your mind produces a question. Um, and and that's a, it's a little bit of an art form to begin to understand that. But, but the questions that arise in your own being are the ones your mind is most interested in, in understanding. Um, then the other side of bringing in reflection into our meditation, into our practice, is to, um, to bring in wisdom or to bring in intention, actually. I mean, it's kind of like the wisdom and the compassion side in a way. So uh, to drop in rather than as a, as a, um, a question. There's a Wikipedia article about essay. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> I must have said something that sounded like, hey, Siri. <laughs> I didn't think I had that set up. That's so funny. I wonder if, I wonder if, that, got, I wonder if that got recorded. I think... <laughs> It looks like we're still recording, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see if this works. <laughs> so, so other other uh, wisdom reflections um, might be things like, uh, "This is impermanent. This is unreliable. This is uncontrollable." Um, um, those could be framed as questions too, like. Mind, are you willing to recognize the impermanence of this right now? Um, or do you see the impermanence of this? Or can you see? Can you see the impermanence of this? Might actually be a, a better framing of the question. Um, and and also with uh, with the intentions, you know, are you willing to explore the intention of kindness right now, so that it's not a dem- demand. You know, again, the, the, the mind is much more amenable to requests than it is to demand. So are you willing to explore the intention of kindness right now? Um, how might that be? Um, and likewise with whatever kinds of intentions. So those are a few. Well, let's see. <laughs> so I'm going to say a, a couple pieces. So, um, you know, you mentioned that you you knew that you were mindful, or there was a mindfulness of of you know the the, oh, the the attention was focused on what you needed to be doing, but you you were not so aware that you had put something down at the same time, and so you you correctly recognize that that's a form of directed attention, um, and directed attention you know it does narrow what we what we are consciously aware of. Um, and so that we can be very mindful 
uh, of something in a narrow field and not be mindful of other experience. This is how concentration works. You know, we direct our attention to the breath and slowly and even it can even become so absorbed that we lose touch with our bodies, with sound. Um, And it's not that we're not being mindful. It's that the attention is connecting to that activity. And so, um, you know, it's appropriate at times in our life for the attention to narrow. I mean, we have that capacity of mind for a reason. Um, And so one thing that you can explore a little bit is just being consciously aware. The, The piece I'll expand a little bit is to see if there can be a conscious awareness of a focused kind of attention. So, so when you were aware that, that you, were, um, you were mindful of the mind planning or thinking about the future, that, that the, the focus was a narrower focus. You don't have to then expand it consciously, but just being aware of that, um, uh, just see what happens as you're, as you're aware of that. Sometimes the focus... The focus just gets more clear. Uh, sometimes it also might the mind might recognize, oh, there's other things going on. I actually need to to broaden a little bit, but not to try to do that. So the place where we do have a little bit of um, uh, possibility when you are mindful in that kind of a situation is, oh, this is a this is a focused mindfulness. So just noticing that the receptive mindfulness is incredibly useful, but it's not the only kind of mindfulness that's useful. I would say that, uh, I guess I'd say that if there's nothing that the mind needs to be particularly doing in daily life, a receptive mindfulness is most helpful. But if we're, we're doing some kind of activity, then you know that focused mindfulness is essential for us. So you know, getting familiar with the different feeling, essentially, there's kind of a different feeling of how the mind is when it's focused on something versus when it's settled back and receptive. And just getting familiar with that distinction and, and the exploration we did on Sunday of seeing and looking, so seeing and looking, is kind of a, a recognition of that capacity. So the more familiar we can get with that it's really, it's a really helpful distinction uh, t- to include as part of what we know. Yeah. Um, actually, let me record that. So the question about, are there any sutta references about intention? Um, and one of the main suttas is around... Um, um, the three intentions I've been talking about this week, uh, and the sutta is Majjhima 19, called Two Kinds of Thought, and the Buddha basically says, I noticed that there, when I was meditating, that I could put my thoughts in two categories. Either they were helpful thoughts or not helpful thoughts. And when they weren't helpful thoughts, I saw they tended to be motivated out of ill will, cruelty, and... Um, and um, a non-renunciation, and when they were helpful, they were motivated out of uh, non-ill will, non-cruelty, and renunciation. So that's where that that teaching comes from. Um, then, um, let's see, on the top of my head, uh, any place, what, one thing you could do in the Majjama, for instance, is just look up wise intention in the in the index and see where it's referred to. The other place of the connection between um, you know, the motivation 
and the um, the action, that impulse of uh, the motivation connected with the impulse to act. Um, that's basically the teaching on karma. And so any place that talks about karma, um, one of the, the best teachings on that I lo- that I like is the, the more detailed, I think it's called the Greater Discourse on com- Karma. It's maybe 135, 136 in the Majjhima Nikaya, something like that. Um, the, there's two, the Shorter Discourse on Karma, the Greater Discourse on Karma. The Shorter Discourse on Karma is... Um, it's a very, it's not a very nuanced teaching on karma. It's kind of like, you do this, that's going to happen. <laughs> um, the, the, the greater discourse on karma, the longer discourse on karma is much more nuanced and points to how um, intentions kind of interweave with the kind of climate of our mind. So he points to how, you know, some, somebody can act skillfully um, and you know it's it's in such a climate of unskillfulness that it barely registers that skillfulness. Or somebody can act unskillfully, and it's in such a climate of skillfulness that there's barely any impact of that unskillfulness. So uh, so there's that that teaching on the on the um, on karma. Those are the I'll I'll, I'll think about it and and um, see if I can come up with some more. Yeah.